six pack lap of that. We got a couple ladies from the UK, UK's finest. Sophia Ellis, Amelia Potter, both of you guys been on the podcast before and and we're back. We got we got a lot to talk about, obviously. Um, in the last couple of years, powerlifting in Europe in general has blown up. The level of powerlifting in Europe has gone like skyrocketed. Um, uh, previously, America was extremely dominant at the world championships. Still is. They're, they're very, very solid team. However, in Europe, there has been a substantial leveling up, particularly on the women's side. Um, so all several Europeans now are world champions. And then as such, the the European championships themselves, how credited they are to be a European champion has also leveled up due to the level of powerlifting we're seeing coming out of Europe. And then on top of that, adding another layer, Sheffield introduced in 2023. Obviously, the Sheffield, for everyone who doesn't know, is in the UK. And the UK scene, how that has impacted British powerlifting, the UK scene having possibly the biggest powerlifting competition in all the sport based in the UK. And what we're seeing there for the popularity, not only for British powerlifting, but people now travel to the UK and, and what that's doing. I, I've said it several times on the podcast, how many times I've listened to other podcasts that are not powerlifting and they talk about Sheffield and what's going on in Sheffield. And um, so the impacts and the ripples as such, want to talk about your lifting, uh, Sophia, and leading into the European Championships. You're the number one nomination in the 76s, some of your goals. You've had uh, the the title of the biggest deadlift in British powerlifting, and it got taken from you, but it, you're close. What's going on there? I know Amelia wanted to talk to you about that. Um, we got a lot to talk about, actually, a lot of things to unpack here. But uh, first off, thanks for coming back, and how the heck you been? Yeah, I've been good. Thank you for having me back. I feel like when was the last time I came on? It was literally when I was like, my first world going into my first ever worlds i think it was um so yeah a lot has happened since um but yeah i'm good obviously like deep in prep at the moment for euros i think we've only got like three weeks now so it's yeah it's getting spicy <laughs> it's getting super duper spicy amelia also thank you for coming back um how have you been because it's been a minute since i saw you you're doing you are blossoming in the powerlifting community and i love it from like now you do a commentary um obviously you've you're returning the podcast but you're like working with national teams and how have you been yeah I've been really good it's it's definitely been a busy year but you know I feel blessed to to done the things that I have done and been busier and more active in powerlifting um obviously got you to thank for that you and uh Gavin needing to train in Turkey last year <laughs> Um, you but... No, I thank you. You stepped up at the Junior Worlds. Um, there were times when we needed a co-commentator and you jumped in the pocket. And that is not easy to do live. Everyone talks about they want to be a commentator. They hop on the live stream and it's live. So all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, this isn't a recorded podcast now, though, is it? Huh? When thousands of people hear you live and if you flub or whatever, you can get memed. And, uh, and we've seen it. And people are bullies online. You jumped in the pocket and just ran with it at Junior Worlds um, and bailed me out several times. We needed you. You stepped in and 
people always want to jump in on like the world championships in the open. And they're like, Hey, if you need somebody for the battle of the 76 is, let me know. Well, no shit. <laughs> right? Like who doesn't want to like, like, Hey, battle the 93s. If you need somebody, let me know. No shit. Everybody wants to jump in when it's Eurosport millions of people. And you're in the middle of the battle of the open. Nobody's around when it's like sub junior 47s. And, you know, it's like nobody's around when you need help like that. And you just, and and you had no idea there'd be a pathway to future. You were just like, Amelia, we need help. And you're like, say less, I'll jump in. There were times when I had panic on my face because I was going to go solo, looked in the audience and you were like, you you need help? So no, Amelia, I'm thanking you. And now um, you're in the, you're at the world championships. You're doing like all these different, you know, you're, you're part of the team. And uh, it, you do a good job. You do a great job. You found you, you found your call. You great so job. we're glad to help you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. It means a lot coming coming from both of you. Uh, yeah, it's it's a really cool experience. And I'll tell you what, I'm not going to be there, but Euros coming up in Estonia, it looks it looks like it's going to be electric. So you bet I'm going to be tuning into every every single session. It's like so, I just posted for the fantasy league. Um, that we're doing a European Championship Fantasy League. This freaking fan, like it's blowing up hundreds of shares on it. Like, I mean, it's it's crazy how many people are getting involved and how many people are are amped up about the European Championships now. What is going on in Europe? I, I, like, I'll throw this to both of you. Well, well, maybe we'll start with Sophia, then we'll go to you, Amelia, because you guys have been in the game for years now and you've seen this progression. What is going on in Europe? How is this happening? Why is this happening right now? I like I think what started it was obviously Fr France blowing up and like we know when we had some like massive French lifters come out and just absolutely kill it at Worlds and then they'll turn up to Europeans which then really like pushed the standard at Europeans as well because now we're now like pushing for those guys do you know what I mean um, and it really just elevated the sport within Europe and then you start seeing like more and more people come out um, and especially in Britain I think like or well, everyone's super competitive but they're all we're always like watching people and obviously everyone wants to be the best <laughs> so it's just mm. like you know it's just lifting the standard of it and then even within Britain we're just getting more and more people even coming up from the juniors or just coming out of nowhere in the open um or even like people who have been it for, in it for ages and now they're just like really up in their game or they've really just like peaked um so yeah, it's becoming insane within Europe and especially the last few European championships, we've just been seeing it, the bar being raised constantly, records being broken like literally every single year. So it's 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 a bit mental, but it's it's insane to see. Um and it's great that so many people are actually like tuning into it now and there's a lot of hype around it. Um it's like getting as much as like what worlds does sometimes which is kind of crazy um but as i said i think it's really like some of those big names have come out and that's drawn attention to it what do you think amelia because previously so everyone watched worlds and then people would watch like the american um, nationals now we've seen american national views like particularly like uscpl uh, isn't what it used to be in, in comparison, certainly to worlds, but Europeans is continuing to drive forward. What do you attribute this to? 
I think there are a couple different things. Like like you said, there's been more interest in Euros and maybe a little less interest in, you know, uh, American nationals. Not that there isn't, like, because there are huge names coming over from the USAPL or just in there already that we kind of, we already know. But I think that there's a lot of pride for their own countries from every country competing at Euros. And that competition within itself adds another element. It's not just which athlete from the same country is going to win it's okay what country is going to win you know who from what country and as you said before so many of the people winning Europeans they're likely to be world champions as well in a lot of these cases so it's not just okay we're just going to watch some powerlifting it's we're going to see titans clash you know we're going to see the 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 best of the best compete again you know we don't just get to see them at Sheffield or at Worlds um, but another competition like another big competition um and I think it just gives people who enjoy powerlifting as a kind of a viewer an opportunity to see again really really high quality lifting and I think a lot of these lifters aren't afraid to to really really push at every competition like they're not going oh we've got world so we're going to sandbag it you know we're or, or whatever it might be they're just going I'm going to show them every kilo that I've earned in in the last x amount of time um but it, I think you know it, it's continuing to grow as you know like Eurosport uh shows as you know I think they did world as well but they're I think looking looking at Euros perhaps um really really enjoying watching it grow and hopefully it continues to do so you have a couple of good points in there. I'm going to hit a few of those, but first off, Eurosports impact. Um, and then you said, you know, not sandbagging. People actually go all out at Euros, which is very true. Like we've seen people um, earn, we don't know officially, but make serious statements at Europeans and then end up going to Sheffield because it is an international competition. So if you were on the, you know, on the teetering point, do they get the wild card? Do they not? Well, Euros is a fantastic way to, you know, showcase. And if you show up and show out, like I remember Jad Jacob last year breaking the 57 kilo world record. Now it doesn't mean necessarily like obviously SPD is not saying this is why you were invited, but it's just another way avenue to on an international scene with international judges, break a world record and make a major statement like that. Um, but I also want to talk about the, time change in terms of the calendar for euros and how you guys feel about that uh but first you made a very interesting before we get to those two you made a very interesting point there and i think this might be something that you're on to <clears throat> european championships is still an international competition so there's still nation versus nation and several nations in there and other national championships like the USAPL or just powerlifting America or any national championships, they have world champions, yes, but it isn't nation versus nation. And it's not so much, it's teams in sports. You tune in and be like, who's my team? Who am I rooting for? If you have, if I know not too much about the competitors involved, I tune in. And if it's a sport where I'm like, okay, is Canada playing and I'm Canadian? Say less, I'm just going to root for my guys. At the national level, people think, well, we have team versus team. You can have, you know, this, like the strength guys versus the flex squad or craftsmanship or whatever. But the thing, you have to be a super duper powerlifting nerd to know whose team 
who, what lifters on an actual coaching service. You have to be a super duper nerd to know all that. Powerlifting, if you think that people are going to know who's coaching who at all different levels, it's not going to happen. That's very, that is like literally the 1% that actually going to tune in and already know that. And as it's coming out, like on the screen, when you're watching, that's not being doled out to you. Maybe the commentator might say, this person is trained by that person, but that's not enough for you to keep, you know, keep tabs on what's going on. However, when it comes into the nations, European championships, I don't need to know enough. I tune into euros and I will see the British flag and be like, there's ours. And I'm rooting. And I'm like, worst team Britain on this one. Next session comes up. Okay, we got one here. Oh, wow. They're in contention for a medal. Say less. And I'm watching this. I have a team to root for and it becomes a team sport. And that's very important because when you first jump in, you don't know who all everybody is. We take for granted. Like, I think 100% we need to know background stories, et cetera. But initially, it's just an easy way to like for to bring people in and get people on like like team sport wise. Um, so that's a really good point. What do you think, Sophia? Do you think that's a one of the reasons why Euros is so appealing because it's an international competition? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like yeah, it's not just about obviously breaking the records and everything, but we do definitely. I think even within Britain over the last few years, we've come together as a team a lot more, and it just makes it way more enjoyable for the lifters as well to be part of something because it is such a individual sport. So it's nice to feel like you're a part of something and obviously representing your country and being a part of that team. And I think we just like all end up just hyping each other up and watching each other, supporting each other. And it becomes like a whole thing. And yeah, it really does, I think, make it bigger and make it more enjoyable to watch just because, as you said, you're you're rooting for a team now like you would like in, in football, whatever. It doesn't matter just about that individual person, but you're looking at the whole picture as well. Um, and that's something that we end up considering as well, like more so is just what what do we get for team points kind of thing. And that is the end goal is that, we want to win as a team. Um, and then you kind of be like, oh, this team versus this team. And it gets really exciting. Um, so, yeah, I think that's definitely a big part of it as well, for sure. And even when people say, and I've heard people say, like, people in my DMs will be like, nobody cares about national team points. First off, that's not true. Because I, whenever I post up national team points, who's in first, who's in second at world championships or Europeans, I always get DMs replying to those stories saying like, yeah but and people are debating and talking about it and like people care so don't let nobody yeah. tell you nobody cares about national team points and how nations end up that's not true when the olympics come on the medal count matters people take pride in did you see where our medal count is etc yes it does maybe for those individuals saying that they don't care but they're in a vacuum and them and their friends are like nobody cares trust me that's not the way it is globally on top of that <laughs> Even when there isn't, even if you're not in particular looking at the overall nation team points, if I tune in and I don't know the lifters in the 57 kilo class, let's say I don't know nobody and I'm not going to look at the overall team points. Let me just look for my nation. That happens all the time. When the World Cup rolls around, I don't know nobody on Team Canada, but I'm going to root for Team Canada because Team Canada is in the mix. You could tune into powerlifting, Eurosport or whatever, and you don't know anybody, but you'll just find your nation and be like, okay, I'm going to rock with that person. And if they start doing good, you're like, oh shit, I got to watch how this ends. That's how we get you. That happens. Mm -hmm. That happens in sports. It happened. The Olympics 
trust me, when the Olympics turns on TV, most people don't know anybody in the sports when they throw them on the television, but they just find their nation and rock with it. Um, Amelia, have you seen some rivalries within Europe that are starting to form now in rising nations? And then I'll throw that same question to you, Sophia, afterwards. What are you seeing in terms of rivalries? Because it, it historically might be changing now. Yeah, I mean, I think, as Sophia said earlier, like we all saw that France were kind of taking a leap ahead of everybody else. And I think collectively as Europeans and separate countries, we were like, we should, we're going to push and catch up. Like we're not going to let them just walk over us. And I think the playing field seems seemingly more even now, uh, arguably. And I think like without being biased, um, you know, I do think GB are really pushing up there and, you know, based on, obviously I've got my eyes and a lot more GB lifters being here and, you know, being friends with a lot of them, but seeing how their training has been in between Malta and coming into Euros, like they are really, really pushing, like they're, they're really bringing their numbers up in the few months that were there. Um, but even being at junior Europeans a few months ago, there are some countries who even a couple of years ago didn't really bring that many lifters, you know, like Italy, um, Spain, and now more recognizable names, more, you know, more higher placings, more podiums, more medals that are coming up there. So I think where before there were like one or two or three nations that were dominating, actually in some weight classes and some competitions it goes in and there's five people within seven and a half kilos of each other and it's like mm. I, I have no idea who's going to win this obviously there are always going to be some that are like runaway uh weight classes but you're seeing it actually less and less I remember a year ago two years ago everyone thought Leah was 100% uncatchable and then actually, you know, this year, it seems like there's there's a people people close. So the people who were suddenly so like so far ahead of everyone, you know, it's not that they're slowing down, but and it's specifically in Europe, you know, it feels like everything's getting a little bit closer. And that's not just one or two nations. It's, you know, athletes pushing through from all areas. Germany is another really good example, you know, where. You've got obviously Jonah Weindick, um, who's the one, the 120, uh, who's just competed at Junior Worlds. You've got like um, Helena Mariella Decker, the 57 junior, you know, and that's just juniors. Like it's it's crazy to see just in the last 12 to 18 months how many new names and surprising countries has, have come up through that, uh, not just in Europe, obviously in the world but particularly obviously talking about europe right now yeah like the I'm, gap is closing, isn't it and like every weight class the gap is closing and even how like people aren't even just like set on one weight class anymore like they are moving around and that gets even more interesting uh i was just about to say about that uh, by the time this drops the jonah van Dijk podcast will have dropped as well yeah germany's on the rise um jonah talks about in germany Fitness is big. Powerlifting isn't huge yet. But guys like him coming from a bodybuilding background, putting out content, he's he's starting up a podcast in German, um, his YouTube videos in German. He's trying to rise it up. 
where you see holes and like, we don't have German powerlifting podcasts. We don't have, you know, this content. People are starting to rise, win titles in and start plugging those holes in and, and help rise within that nation. And that's how we're going to grow. Um, what do you think, Sophia? What are some rivalries between nations in Europe that are starting to form? Between nations. It's, it's funny mm. that we say this because there's even like rivalries within Britain, like against other British lifters. And oh, pray like, tell. <laughs> even though it's kind of like always on socials, it's like banter. But <laughs> I think it does like really just like push each other as well, even though, do you know what I mean? Like, even if they're not in the same weight class, people are like pushing each other. And you can even see it in like the group chats and whatever. It's always going to come across as banter, but it does secretly like push that other person. Um, in terms of like from different countries, like more so in the men, they kind of like show it more, especially on socials. Like they'll be more vocal about kind of like rivalries and picking out people. Um a lot with like, you know, the 93s, 105s, 120s, you see it a lot. Um, but specific ones, I'm not not so sure. Um, I, honestly, I've not been like on socials as much recently just because of prep and <laughs> trying to get into the right mental space. Um, but you can see it like between, you know, the top, you know, top five lifters. They tend to all be kind of like going for each other's throats sometimes. <laughs> Um, but it does, it does, it's kind of like boxing, isn't it? Like when they start calling each other out, it just gets a bit more exciting, builds that hype around it. Like, who would you say is Britain's biggest rival in Europe right now? Is it France? Is all eyes on France because they've risen so quickly? Like, yeah, France is always a big one, I think, like especially last Europeans, uh, in terms of like teams. It was obviously we were going against France. Um, the men ended up winning the british men ended up winning it um but then the female side we came second to france so it's always kind of like so now this time obviously we're going in wanting to be the best in both um so yeah it's definitely france is up there with one of the biggest ones um it's definitely seen a lot more of spain coming through which is interesting to see especially on the female side um but yeah, it's it's been interesting even when looking at nominations, like a, a few new faces that haven't been around for a while coming through. Um, so yeah, I think it's definitely keeping everyone on their toes and not to kind of like just get complacent with it. Um, so yeah. And Italy's. In Italy, for sure. My Italy God. For sure. <laughs> Italy, like Chiara Bernardi, um, who's like number two in the 63s in Italy, is an absolute monster. She just happens to be behind Corolla Gara. And by the way, all European showdown, probably the biggest showdown in powerlifting period. It's going to happen at Sheffield. Corolla Gara, reigning world champion, versus Leah Bavwa, reigning world champion. And then Agatha Shitko from Poland announces, hey, guess what? I'm leaving the 76s. I want to get your opinion on that too, uh, Sophia, because she's leaving your weight class. And I'm dropping down to the 69s. This is an all-European matchup on the women's side. It might be the biggest showdown in the world, in our sport, that's about to happen. And all of these ladies have won world titles. All these ladies have broken world records. And they're all legends already. And they're all going to clash at Sheffield. How big is this? It's Amelia, it's, what are you thinking? 
I, I was just honestly when you were saying that I was thinking how incredible it is how many Europeans that actually are competing at Sheffield because you know as you said America's got a big pool of athletes to choose from and we know that um particularly in the men's side they they seem to win a lot of the classes um so especially on the women's side it's really really cool to see so many European athletes even if they're not like British it's always nice to see like Europeans same way as you know maybe Canadians and North American uh, as North Americans with Americans will pull together there and be like hey it's great to see Canadians and Americans there it's it's just mm. very very cool because of the fact that each country is so much smaller over here so it, it feels a little bit tighter net because you know, Sophia, you'll you'll probably get this that you go to Euros and you kind of know everyone. It's like going to like a private school, it's like going to like a small uni or just like be living in a small village. It's like you go and you recognize everyone, like the coaches, the athletes. And so when you see them on those on that kind of big stage at Sheffield, um, you know, it's it's really, really cool. Um, so being able to mirror that with the Europeans upcoming is very impressive. Yeah, especially teams like you know, like Sweden, like they come in and they they train together often as well. So they like, right? bring that like team morale with them, and then other te- other countries see that and want to be like that essentially. So it's it's good to be around those other countries. And as I said, like we're all obviously a lot closer in terms of like distance and whatever, but we also all probably like follow each other on Instagram because we've seen each other at previous comps or worlds or whatever. Um, and yeah, we're always like watching out for each other. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting. Um, and especially when you said about Agatha doing that, you know, reverse on, <laughs> on us all. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't expect that because, well, it's funny because when it got announced on Instagram, I was shocked because we were actually speaking about it about a few weeks prior because someone had mentioned, oh, someone's going to drop down to 69s because someone's got beef. And I was like, what? Who's beef about this? And then um, we were all trying to guess. And I thought maybe Carlina would drop. But then when it said Agatha, I was like, oh, damn, like did not expect that at all. Um, but that is like spicy. Like I'm ex- I'm excited to see that. Like she's going to, you know, fuck some shit up. <laughs> Yo, fuck some shit up for sure. I don't know what's going to happen. So. I put a poll up uh, who who everyone thinks is going to win. And people were saying Leah. And I don't know if, here's the thing. When you drop down, there's a bit of a question mark on how much of your strength you bring. But I could tell on the podcast, and Agatha's like, I'm thinking I'm going 580 and up. And her body weight was artificially, she competed and she like at, at girl power, I think it was girl power. Um, but relatively recently and she, to hide her intentions of dropping the 69 she water loaded and weighed in with the water in her body so her body okay. weight was artificially heavier so people who saw her total she actually pulled her last deadlift was for 600 kilos she was going for the 600 kilo total and she it appeared as though she was like a slightly lighter 76 um but in reality she was closer to 71-ish kilos, which is like a water cut away from 69. Holding for 600 on her last deadlift. Like 600 was like the goal at that body weight. Artificially putting water in her body to weigh in heavier so nobody knows 
I'm dropping down. So what she brings to the table as a 69, who the flip knows? I don't know. I uh, It could be 580. It could be, like, are we going to see a 69 kilo lifter hit 600? That's insane. That's insane to me. But it's freaking Agatha. On the flip side, it's fucking Leah Babwa. And it's mm-hmm. Corolla Gara, who are in the, the... So let me get your opinions here. What do you think is going to happen... Do you think people like Agatha dropping down? Because I had said this before and I shared it in the story two years ago or a year ago, whatever. I was like, these 63s are so exceptional and so special. They can campaign as 69s right now and be either winning, pushing the world record, et cetera, like Lee is doing. But eventually, an exceptional 69 will show up. That's a true 69. Because Leah is not a true 69. For me, a true 69 is someone who is a little over 69 kilos and cuts to it. And they're like, this is, I'm maxed out when I walk into the 69 kilo class. Leah Bavois is like consuming whatever the hell she wants and still has room. You know, she she's not even weighing in at the upper limit of the weight class and eating whatever the hell she wants and just doing whatever the hell she wants and still winning. In true, if she wants to get super tight on nutrition, et cetera, she's going back to 63. Where already, you know, Corolla Gara, the reigning 63 kilo world champion, I got the shit code dropping down. We have a true 69, I think. What do you guys anticipate? Do you think, is this dangerous for Agatha to do? Is this more like, you know what? This is, she's going to pull an Evie Corrigan and surprise everybody. And this is like, this is the order of things. This is what we had. We had 63s campaigning as 69s only because we didn't have that. Because we had special 63s, but we didn't have that special, special 69 arrive yet. Now she's here. How is this all going to play out? Or, or is Leah Babel going to win it again and be like, well, or Gara going to win it again and be like, well, yeah. I think it'll be like if if Agatha is sitting at like 71 pretty comfortably and then she could just, that's an easy water cut. Like that is what most yeah. 69s will do to water cut. They'll sit around 70, 71. And if she can keep her strength on like her bench, because that is what gives her a big, you know, add to her total. Um I think it's it will be a very tight battle. I mean, but and as you say, like Leah's still got like a lot of room to grow into the 69s, as is probably Carola, because Carola's only just really come up. So it'll be interesting from their side to see if they're they've put any more strength on their total. Like, I definitely think I've seen like Carola and she's looking like hella strong as well with her bench. So the battle of the benches between Carola and Agatha will be mm. interesting to see. Um, and then all of them have like a pretty decent like that strong deadlift um so i think it will probably come down to the final pull if i'm honest just because of how where they're like all their squats are relatively like near each other um so i think it would probably come down to the pull but it will be interesting to see how much strength that she can keep with that cut but to be honest i can't see it changing too much Consider if she is sitting at that like 70 71 kilos what do you think amelia what do you think when you see this I mean, you, you kind of referenced Evie before and, you know, she lost, what was it, like 17 and a half kilos on her total from a 57. Like it, she kept a lot of her strength and then hit a huge total as a 52. So we know she kind of busted that myth of, oh, you're going to drop weight class, you're going to get a lot weaker, you know. And and as Sophia said, like she's not heavy at the moment. Historically, she's competed as 76 84 like in between competitions so to see her come down is really interesting and you know there is that one side of things which is asking okay 
is she going to drop strength? How much strength is she going to drop? But if she's been secretly slowly doing this cut for a little while and we've actually still seen her deadlifts go up and her training still progress, then, you know, maybe there's some magic going on behind the doors there that, that we've not seen. So I think it will come down to the last deadlift, but also to very, I don't want to say sensible, but strategic play on the day of the competition because, you know, as we know, any competition, let alone Sheffield, one mislift or losing a few kilos here can can be the make or break. So I think it will be how much strength can she retain, which I think actually she'll be able to retain a fair amount of it. And who's going to have the best game plan on the day? And that's obviously a, an athlete-coach um, combination, but I think there's a lot that's going to go into it. And whoever can make as many lifts as possible, I think will walk out. I think it's going to be that close. I think it will be, you know, if you can make all your lifts, I think if they all went eight for nine, it'll come down to the last deadlift. But as soon as one person maybe slips up and loses a few kilos, potentially they're out of the race. So I think it's going to be like that, that horse race, which is, Oh, someone goes ahead. Ah, someone else has pulled ahead. Someone pulled back and then they're ahead. You know, it's going to be like that the whole way through, I think. Yeah, especially with how they're like wanting to break records as well, because it is Sheffield. So they've got like an extra thing to consider as well, not just them against each other, but obviously going for records, which Agatha could like easily take some of those 69 records as well. So, you know, (laughs) so it'll be interesting to see whether she like wants to push for a record or push them maybe to like the win. You know, it can. Yeah. And she's to be fair, like in, even in like in terms of her height, like I think she could like easily lose some of the like drop some weight and it not affect her too much just because she is like one of the shorter 76s. So she kind of like mm-hmm. would fit quite nicely into the 69s. Um, and as you said, she's gone up a little bit as well, and she's also like won the Europeans as an under 84. So so <laughs> you know, yeah. just competing every weight class. <laughs> I think it's going to be interesting as well, Sheffield, because I'm wondering if now that the first first one has been and people, I guess, get a have a, a better understanding of, you know, what it looks like, how the strategy is to win. You know, Evie didn't break the most records there, but she won overall, you know, and I wonder if people now actually less bothered about breaking, you know, squat, bench, deadlift records along the way and looking to kind of chip away at, at the total however they they may have to do that but I I think it'll be interesting to see if the strategies change because I think what we saw this year was right can we break the squat record can we break the bench record can we break the deadlift record and the total record you know and I think going back to kind of the, the strategy that lost some people some placements you know because they were pushing for the extra 5k from a record or getting a record so i'm wondering if mm. priorities will change strategies will change as a result of that but also maybe a little bit more competition in similar weight classes now yeah. it's an interesting note because like for instance when you're close to an individual record in an event like get let's say gavin eden for the squat record people have long said if gavin ever gets three squats heads up He's one attempt away from possibly winning any battle of the 93s. doesn't matter who the other 93s are. But that squat record is so close. The temptation, for instance, to load up the record. To your point, you collect a bag, you break a world record, you're loading it up. 
Of course, you're loading it up. But what if you're just a few kilos off and you could have got that third squat and those kilos you would have gained goes towards your total? You don't get the bag, you don't get the world record, but you get the kilos towards your total and how that impacts the bigger picture like that. I, I haven't crunched the numbers on Gavin, just how close his top end squat to the world record is. But just off the top of my head, if we use examples like that, how often people get pushed. But to your point now that we've seen some of these scenarios play out, people might pull back and say, you know what? I got you. We're getting paid for world records. World records are beautiful on the resume. But if we play a tighter game, maybe. And as more people start doing those head-to-head showdowns, like we have three of the greatest powerlifters in the world, head-to-head-to-head. And that's what I love about Sheffield. You know, yeah. they got a lot of head-to-heads, not just formulas. It's interesting because it's 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 like if you go for that record and you miss it, it's like oh, that was that was a stupid mistake. But if you get it, it's like oh, that was the best the plan. It's, it's, like, it's like well, yeah. you know, it's only stupid. Well, if it like, Why didn't you go for it? If you, yeah. if you get just below it, they're like, why don't you load up another two kilos, bro? And it's like, well, you know, there's always two more kilos that break the bank, though. You know, like I'm trying to win. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be really interesting, I think, um, kind of going into that. Um, going back quickly to what Sophia said about, you know, there being some rivalries within countries as well. I think it's a good place to bring up. Obviously, at one point, you had the heaviest ever deadlift from a female athlete in British powerlifting. And it's been a bit of a back and forth there between you and love And, you know, it's it's not far away. Like your deadlifts are very similar. Um, I'm wondering, you know, where your head's at with that. If that's something you're looking to snatch back anytime soon, perhaps in the next three weeks. It's honestly not like that record when I got it. I didn't even know it was a thing. Like I didn't even know it existed. <laughs> like it just, I pulled that lip. This was this was like two years ago, by the way. Yeah. So it's like ages ago. Um, and yeah, and, and then it was announced, and I was like. Oh damn, that's pretty cool. Um, and then Ziana broke it. Um, so I think she got like 246. And then she held it for a, quite a while. And then Erlov took it. Um, but it's kind of like it's a weird thing because it's not anything that I don't think people actually go for because it's not really like a, a proper record. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a cool thing to have. It's a kind of like a, a bragging right. Do you know what I mean? But um it, it's not something that I'm I think about ever when I'm competing. Like I'm not like, really? oh yeah. Well, biggest deadlift ever no because i'm like you're bragging that's right crazy. that's <laughs> huge like look at when when jessica bittner is a 76 two weight classes lower like not the heaviest weight class had the biggest deadlift in powerlifting classic right yeah. it was huge to me to be like she's got the biggest deadlift and she's not in the biggest weight class so yeah. for to hear you say like you held that in britain and to hear you say like no nah, i didn't super think about it. i'm like wow man if that was me i mean you would be in my profile yeah (laughs) I think like yeah like it's a wicked thing to have and obviously I'd love to have it again but it's I've got other things that I that are like a priority for me like in terms of my goals and that just isn't like one of the top spots of what I want to achieve like I think like naturally it might just come with one of my other goals but it's not something that I like search out to do yeah um and yeah, pe- I think also people like to have like rivalry between people, but like I don't have any beef with any of those girls. You so hate it. Like, <laughs> like, I think it's like great for them to get that as well. And like, 
I like I'm fully like supportive and congratulate them when 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 they get it um but yeah I've, like I've got other things I I'm like pushing towards and obviously like yeah it'd be sick to have that again um and I probably will at some point but um <laughs> but yeah there's other things that I want to really like push towards right now so so you, you mentioned kind of like the goals that you have coming up and like the ones that you're focusing on more than the bragging rights for the, the biggest deadlift so what, what are those some of those goals that you're referring to well like I, I really just because right now you're seeing that like you can't just be a deadlifter anymore and in competition like it's just a fact now um and I'm really like really fucking working on my squat because that is the one that is letting me behind and I just want to push my total I want to obviously win euros again coming back from being reigning champion so it's like it's obviously a lot more pressure now but like I feel good for it um yeah and I'd like to extend the the European record even more and which would hopefully take me past the other record as well um but more so my focus is on worlds like I want to be in those top three at worlds and I really want to go to world games so that is like my big focus at the moment like I'm always trying to just look at what's in front of me. So right now it is Europeans and my aim for that is to win and to go and just do the best I can do. Um, but long term, like I want to be on that top spot at Worlds. And for me, like records are cool, but they're always going to be broken. Like that that's what records are. They're there to be broken. Like I want to, you know, I want to get that title. I want to put my name there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And obviously the World Games, you're right. It's a World Games qualifying World year. World Games. The, How insane. <laughs> to make so the the dropping of Agatha Shitko to the 69s opens up a ten, potential podium spot. Probably ain't mad at that decision. Do you think she's gonna stay here? <laughs> like, wow, making a podium well. just became a little bit easier <laughs> of the big three. Cause for a while there in the 76s, the big three was Carlina, Jessica Bittner, and Agatha Shitko. Jess, I think, is gonna stay 76 however at the texas fall championship she was a guest lifter she weighed in at 80 kilos and she has mentioned that she's thought about moving to 84 i don't know um if she's going to do it in 2024 because it's a world games year she might be thinking along the same lines you are but she weighed in at 80 kilos and as previously in the past talked about moving to 84 would depend on that for what it's worth i get the shit go said i'm going 69 Agatha's not sure if she stays 69 or she makes a full-on run and wants to grab a title or, or attempt to grab a title at 69. And then there's Carlina, who's, you know, staying put as a 76. And Carlina just recently made a post, icy cold caption that goes, um, you know, other people are leaving, but I'm staying. And boredom is something along the lines, I'm paraphrasing, is the consequence of dominance. And she's like, when people ask, like, will you get bored when other people leave? And she's like, that just means I'm dominating. I mean, if, if it's title after title after title type deal. What are your thoughts on the movement of the 76s? Um, how you think it's going to impact your weight class and how you think it's going to impact you and your goals and, and the possible future pathways? Yeah, like I'm not like set on like, oh, they've moved now. So like that's my chance kind of thing. Like because she can always come back. Like right. they're always still around. Like it's, yes, she's gone down for Sheffield. But it doesn't mean necessarily that she's going to stay 69 for Worlds. Like, you never know what's going to happen. And you can't, like, be like, yeah, this is going to happen. Because what if it changes? And, you know, so it's I think it's really interesting that people are moving because it used to be that people were, like, really set on weight classes and then they'd move up and then they'd stay there and then they'd only really move up. Um, so to see such a mix and people 
like big people like the top three people like moving weight classes um it does open it up a lot more for uh, other people to then obviously get those spots but um who knows like you don't know if they're going to move again there might be even more mix up there might be some 69s who then come up to the 76s there might be some 84s who drop yeah. down so um yeah you can't really like predict what's going to happen um all i can say is just going to keep doing the best I can keep just like chipping away at my total and I mean I haven't even really properly filled out the 76s yet so I'm still trying there <laughs> there's even been like talk at one point of me dropping down to the 69s um which was oh did you imagine concept at one point <laughs> um but I think for me yeah right now it's definitely just uh keep trying to fill out the 76s and just be the strongest possible version of me but yeah, it'll be it'll be cool to see if there is a bit more movement there. Um, it'll definitely yeah keep people on their toes. Jeff Field has to an extent become that competition, and I kind of like it. Well, first off, just for everyone listening, I pulled up the uh, seventy six kilo for the world championships in five sixty seven point five was a podium finish, and you were just outside of you're you're on fourth place just off the podium, so you're right there up in the mix. And to an extent, are you at the point now where you could tell yourself whether there's movement or no movement, if five sixties can possibly get me on the podium, you should be there by the time the world rolls around again. Yeah, for sure. Like that is what I'm aiming for. Like I've come fourth twice now at Worlds and I don't want to be fourth again. Like, (laughs) I mean, the world's just gone like the biggest highlight for me was like getting that gold in the deadlift like that was just so insane and I think because of my first worlds I was kind of kind of robbed of a medal because of obviously the failed drugs test and that like that kind of hit me because I've never speak to that sorry speak to that because I forget I, I I think this rings a bell to me but it's been a hot minute yeah, so I think it was last year we found out or the year before yeah. um the Italian uh, lifter got failed a drugs test but it was like after worlds um she failed it so obviously like yeah well basically pete you know pete spence he sent me a message right. and he was like oh, i'm like so gutted for you and i was like what are you talking about and he was like and then he sent it to me and that so she had came third i think it was third or second she came second at worlds um but she beat me like beat me off the podium um and on deadlifts as well just by chipping my deadlift um and so yeah I ended up getting like bronze in the deadlift and then fourth overall and then the drugs drug failure came out and I I didn't like it kind of hit me because I was like oh my god I've never been like directly impacted by this before I know it's always felt shit for those people who have lost out on medals but I've never experienced it myself firsthand and I actually was like I was quite tearful because I was like I've worked so hard for this and then I've just kind of been like robbed of it and even like some some of my friends from Italy who are on the Italian team like reached out from out to me and were just like we're like devastated as well like we're so sorry to hear about this like and I was like yeah it's pretty shit (laughs) um so to come back this year and now actually like get the gold in the deadlift and you know like earn that spot there um really like meant a lot and that's why it was just so emotional for me because I had that. <laughs> That's the toughest. Brett Gibbs has talked about, like he literally won a world championship after the fact when the person who beat him at the world championships 
popped. Now, the difference is for anyone listening. If they pop you for the world championships, your total at those world championships is disqualified, taken out, and everyone moves up. However, to your point in your situation, she didn't pop at Worlds. They caught her either out of competition or whatever. I forget exactly, but it wasn't at Worlds that they caught her. So they did catch her, but her world total stood because they couldn't prove at Worlds she was on, but they can prove she ended up being on either out of comp or at a different comp. And it's all proof is in the putting. You have to prove it at Worlds. So, yeah. but, but let's be honest. <laughs> we all look back and like, yeah, she's probably on at Worlds if you're going to be on later on for either. Yeah, like we can't prove it, but it's, right. it's but we, we can prove you're on. Yeah, yeah, you prove you're on PDs, just not when you were. But yeah, that's tough. And Brett says, I was robbed of my moment. Even if you give me the world title after the fact, and they did, he's like, I didn't get to stand on the podium and hear my national anthem. I didn't have my flag up there. My, my countrymen and countrywomen watching the stream and my parents and everyone back home didn't get to see me on the platform and have that moment. After the fact, I got the gold. And that's great. I'm a world champion. I love that. But I missed my moment in that night in flying home. I'm a winner and I'm telling myself, fuck, I lost. Even if it's a silver, I lost. I didn't have that. You took that from me. Yeah. And then when people like bring up his name, um, I forget his name now. The, the gentleman who popped, I think he's from Colombia. He's like, he's like, I'm not over. I'm bitter. It's tough. Uh, so to your point, yeah, it can be devastating. I'm glad they get popped. I'm glad they catch them, but it's never yeah, going to be it's, perfect. It's like the opportunities that you miss out on as well. Like if yeah. you're like at my, if my, at my first world, if I had got on that podium, like what, what opportunities have I now missed out on? Like sponsorship, you know, that kind of thing. Like, yeah, it's like definitely like the moment has been missed, and like for something like like Brett with a world being world champion, like that must be actually horrendous. Like because you've missed that experience of even yeah maybe you've been handed it, but it's just not the same. It was like in the Olympics, if you know how weightlifting, there's always people being popped, and this guy like five years later where um the urine sample had been retested because methods had improved, and he got given his like world champion medal outside of a burger king and the olympics oh, jesus i mean it's great for burger king burger king's like we'll sponsor you playboy come here and we'll, we'll give you the medal ceremony crown him <laughs> they like, put a crown on him it's like, your burger. he's got a burger in his he's got a yeah. whopper in his hands like whatever it works it is what it is, but to your it point, was like yeah, the dumb. Olympics was like held in like Athens or something, and then he's been like, you know, it's just not the same. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's like it's proper crap, but you just got to kind of like yeah, move on from it and just use it as fire to just you know go get it at the next championship, and it's it's really crappy in the moment, um, and it's something that you know you, you carry with you, um, but you can't there's not much at least there is now like more testing <laughs> but it's it's still happening like it's just it'll never be perfect at least they got caught at least she got caught and she's yeah, gone she's not going to future impact you she's not around no more yeah exactly yeah exactly i mean i think she actually won a nationals and then got popped afterwards so she'd even like taken spots from that nationals um but yeah, I think the whole, because Italy, how they work, they're in clubs. Um, and I don't think any club will actually accept her now um, because of that. So yeah, it's, it's what it is. I was also going to ask, um, 
talking about Agatha Shitko and Sheffield and her dropping weight classes. We're only two years deep in Sheffield. I get it. But we're starting to get a bit of a trend here when it comes to Sheffield and these kind of like surprise announcements. Like, you know, it's become special. I like the fact that last year, Sheffield, it was, there was rumors of like a possible, you know, some movement between, between the lifters. And then I remember before Sheffield happened, I think it was the day before I had a round Robin meeting, like interview with all the French lifters, Leah, Jad Jacob, Noemi Alibert. Was there another one? I think that was it. I, I think that was it. But anyways, and I remember asking Noemi, how do you feel being here? Usually you're at the world championships. You have all the world's finest going against you for motivation. How do you feel being at Sheffield and being the solo 52? And she says, I'm not the only 52. Oh, you're not. And the follow-up, who was the other 52? And she said, Evie Corrigan's the other 52. And I was like, whoa. And how did you find out? And she's like, I can't say, but it got leaked to me ahead of time. And it became talk of the town. We go into Sheffield. Evie Corrigan does what Evie Corrigan did. Massive upsetting of the odds. I mean, she was literally placed out of 12 females to come in 12. And, and she said herself, as I should, I made it through as a regional wild card, um, you know, at the world championships. I wasn't, you know, podiuming or whatever at the 57s. You wouldn't see me coming. And then this happened. Now this year, I got the shit go kind of does the same thing where she makes this big announcement and, oh my God, the battle of 69s is so much richer. Do you think Sheffield moving forward is going to become this event where people are like, okay, I got my world title. Now I'm going to start shaking things up. Now I can either move up, move down, or, and why do you think this is happening? And do you think this is going to encourage future shakeups? Like, hey, what the fuck? I think I'm going to shake things up. My world title is not, I could always go back to worlds in my normal weight class. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm going to ask both you guys this. It's kind of like the Arnold's, isn't it? Because it's like, not the exact same, but it's an in invitational. So you don't have to qualify within a weight class. Like you're invited. So that allows you to then, you know, move weight classes. Um, and I think it just opens opportunity for people to do that. Because for Worlds, you have to almost like, well, in most countries, you have to qualify within that weight class at a national and then go to Worlds within that weight class. But with Sheffield, you can just, you have the opportunity to go wherever you kind of want to it. Because you've already, you've already, been invited so um it definitely gives people that opportunity to kind of like consider moving around and messing things up a bit um and i think we'll definitely see more of it as well once people have secured certain things within that weight class i think we'll start to see them shake things up um because they'll start looking down a weight class and being like you know i could take that record or i could actually push the total a little bit i'd actually be a little bit more competitive there um so i think we'll definitely see more of it in the upcoming years what do you think amelia yeah i well first of all I'll, I'll go back and correct myself when you were talking about the french lifters i said panna because i thought you were talking about this year's sheffield so i was just uh lost in thought for a moment there when i was thinking about you're that like, and then just like stopped and you're like oh <laughs> yeah i was like oh he's talking about the last sheffield i was like never mind then i'll correct myself later <laughs> but no i think it's gonna i think it's gonna be really interesting because it's added another layer like another dimension to competing in powerlifting because you know there's a 
at other worlds at euros there's this level of gameplay that you know the coaches have and and they have that because they you know they change the attempts they have um you put like a fake opener in you got like all these small little things that that they do but adds this, another level of strategy another level of gameplay kind of within it where they can you know they can twist and change and throw in some diversions or some mystery um you know perhaps convincing people they're in one weight class and and going in and as, as an as another who knows there might be somebody else who is still yet to show up in a different way <laughs> like we don't know gavin aiden might be in 83 like i was just about to say i love that you just said the that. size of his shoulders oh. though he's a big <laughs> here's boy. the thing he's flirted with 83 and then he posted a picture of himself like shirtless and I re- and it was in the stories, and I responded, "No, nah, you ain't going 83." And he's like, "What the hell's that supposed to mean?" <laughs> he's like, "Oh my dog, you look thick." But here's here's the thing, though. The beautiful thing about Sheffield, it won't pull you out of the calendar year, and we'll get into the calendar year as well because Euro shifted um, the on its position in calendar year, but it won't throw you off of your calendar year in terms of qualifications. So if you change at nationals, sometimes national teams won't put you in for that weight class of worlds. Or obviously if you don't go as in, in your weight class of worlds, you're not gonna become a world champion and qualifying for Sheffield, et cetera, but you could go through your normal calendar year and then you plunk it to Sheffield, do whatever the hell you want. You just want to, you might even tell yourself like for instance, Gavin, if Gavin wins the 93s in 2024, he could tell himself, oh, Russell or he, did you win Worlds as well? I would love a mega showdown between me and you. And can you imagine Gavin and Russell or he, both massive followings on social media going head to head? And in some cases, we might see some lifters saying, you know what? World records be damned, whether it's 93 or 83. Some people will look at it like how close am I to taking the 83 world record if I cut? How close am I if I stay 93 to get it? Or you might be like, I don't know. They're both world records. They're both pretty far. But I do know if I go head-to-head with Russell Orhe and beat Russell Orhe, the bigger picture in what that does for my social media and all opportunities could be even bigger than that. Like Just to show the platform itself of Sheffield had 400,000 views or something like that for perspective. When a UFC rolls around a pay-per-view or or boxing, if they get 400,000 pay-per-view buys, they are extremely happy, very successful. Now, Sheffield's free, I get it, but just to give you, in terms of eyeballs watching, it's a massive platform, and you any athlete on a platform where 400,000 people tune in should be very, 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 very happy. So for some people, it'd be like, this is an opportunity on a massive platform to me to boost my brand and everything that falls out afterwards, whether it's sponsorships, do you have an app? Do you have services? Do you have merch? Gavin has all those. So hold on a second. Sorry. Gotta blow my nose. <laughs> my allergies are getting the best of me. But so there's going to be some of that as well. Where the bag for the world record is one thing, but if it's all things being equal, you have to, you have to, you're asking yourself, kind of like boxing and MMA, is this a mega showdown? Is it worth me to cut just to entertain that showdown? To be the talk of, like, for for $5,000, would you give up a mega showdown and be the most anticipated showdown in the entire sport across the world and the talk of the town and the fallout afterwards if you win? There's bigger concessions and pictures to be taken here. 
Just like when, when Russ went USAPL and he's like, well, I can wear my gear on the platform. Sure, but the platform's much, 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 much smaller. There's bigger concessions to be taken in. And now he's like, well, I'm going to IPF Worlds. Even if I can't wear my equipment on the platform, such a bigger platform and all, you know, so many more people are watching. Everything I do after this is, it's it's gravy on top of that. What are you guys' thoughts on what Sheffield does in terms of offering a platform like this? Yeah, nobody's safe. <laughs> like, it offers like such a big platform. I think when, so when I was working with SBD on the social media um, side, I could obviously see the insights and how we actually like saw how much of an increase people's following went um, from Sheffield, which was like super interesting. And Jesus mm. gained, no joke, like tens of thousands of followers just like on the night of Sheffield. Wow. Um, so just on that night, he gained tens of thousands of followers. Like it was insane. Like those people who came out on the top, their following just like spiked massively. Like the insights that we were getting was just insane. Um, and that was on the first Sheffield. So now it's like even bigger now. I can't even like begin to imagine like how much this will do for the lifters. Um, and even like SBD as well. Like it's just boosting everything. Um, so it will be, it's it's such a good platform for them um, in every aspect, to be honest. What do you think, Amelia, in terms of balancing opportunity of a mega showdown like even if the world records obviously 69 kilo record is uh lower than 63 but let's say it wasn't that the opportunity for those three 69s that we have clashing and being the talk of in everything that can fall out afterwards what do you think about this i think like you said sheffield is so different from what world is you know what the nationals are what europeans are it's more show you know, it's a spectacle and, you know, Pete Spence has spoken about it before, how, you know, he wants to make it a bit more like um, e-gaming competitions, you know, where it's, you know, really big and that's actually, a, you know, a huge industry it has a huge following. But even just looking at other sports, kind of, there are events that are going to be more watched that need to be or are made into more of a show you know the super bowl in america for example like it's got a halftime show with a huge celebrity like it's got the clash of two titans like fighting for the cup um i should have chosen a sport i know more about if i'm being honest for an example but <laughs> you know like it's it's there as not just wow we're seeing you know a group of the strongest people in the world but we're also seeing a spectacle we're seeing a show it's like going to the theater and it's you know i think that's a huge huge part of it to then be able to advertise to entice people to come and watch it because if it was you know in a cold sports hall and you know you're in satin plastic chairs but the lifting was just as good the lifting would just be just as good you know and it would still be amazing but the show that sbd put on for it that brings it to the next level. So I think the showdown between athletes and that being more competitive adds that extra layer. And like an example is, you know, different crowds are being brought in to watch it. For Sheffield this year, I think there were uh, strong men there that were invited to come and watch it. You know, there were athletes yeah. from different sports who were there. Like it was introducing, you know, different parts of a similar culture to powerlifting in its best form you know with its 
with its best face on. Um, so I'm going to snowball off your point. I was, that's why I do jujitsu um, in my pastime. And I was um, in Franklin, Tennessee in the U S for my day job, walking to a jujitsu gym. And I didn't know who it was at the time. And Dante Leon, I walk in and goes, Holy shit, your six pack. And I'm like, um, that's random. It's <laughs> like, yeah. And he, he was like, I know you from powerlifting. And Dion, Dante Leon is a two-time world champion black belt in jiu-jitsu. I mean, top of the food chain. These are the type of indiv individuals that, I mean, you see UFC fighters who bring in these world champions um, in grappling and, and train with them, et cetera. Like Deontay Leon is tip of the spear athlete in another sport, jiu-jitsu. And these guys follow powerlifting. And I checked and, oh my God, he follows King of Lifts. He knows who's who. And I'm like, and he's talking about the IPF and what I'm like, this is where other athletes from other sports, you know, previously we had said, Nobody's going to watch powerlifting unless you're a powerlifter. Now, Deontay Leon, for sure, weightlifts. But he also watches as a fan. And, and I think to an extent, Sheffield, with like you were saying, if you watch the Olympics, tournament style, brackets, you move up. Um, let's say it's like boxing. Tournament style brackets, you move up, you win your fight, you move forward. The, on the other side of the bracket, you win your fight, you move forward until you go to the end, almost like a pyramid, and you have two people at the end fighting for gold medal. Straight up, typical amateur style sports. Then you go pro boxing. It's let's book. The promotions are let's book the, the, the money fights. Let's book. This guy's going to move up a weight class to challenge that guy. Bud Crawford moves up the weight class to challenge Spence. Mega fight. And you make the fights that make the biggest pay-per-views. To an extent, that's what we have here. We have best of both worlds now. IPF Worlds, straight up tournament style. You enter because you won your nationals and you show up and you try to get on the podium, etc. Sheffield is like the professional arm of that for, for boxing or MMA or whatever. Let's make the matchups that everybody wants to see. Let's have this person move up. That person's moved down. Let's have these head-to-heads. Let's rock and roll and make it. You know, that much, the, all the showdowns that all of us want to see. So we have the best of both worlds. And, but to make it, it's not just a total sideshow. To make it there, you have to win worlds or bring with, and be within 95% of the world record. So it's nothing but tip of the spear athletes. But you take the tip of the spear athletes and let's, let's have some, let's have a little bit of fun. You know, we, we, we get the, we get it all now. And even like worlds being on Eurosport and like even the Olympic channel, like, I've seen in and people have sent me from multiple gyms all around the world. They're air, they're like putting on their TVs the Olympic Channel with powerlifting on it. I've been sent videos from like Bali of me on the fucking TV in like a random gym in Bali because they've got the Olympic Channel on. Crazy. Like it's just, it's just like reaching people from all over the world who aren't necessarily into powerlifting or watching powerlifting but it's just there now like people are seeing it even if they're not necessarily going out of their way to to look at it and even on Eurosport like that's that's a huge thing for us and even with Europeans now on Eurosport like that's even bigger for us like it's actually getting out there um so yeah with Sheffield like I feel like it's only going to get bigger um and especially with the the viewership and People even now from different countries, they're bringing their families and their teams with them, their gym partners, they're bringing with them, um, especially like places like France, Italy, anyone in Europe. It's very easy to get to, you know, 
the UK. So they're bringing their whole, like, their whole, all their homies with them. And, you know, it just, it turns into a, just a massive, you know, everyone get together and watch this huge spectacle. Yeah, I, what, I literally, sorry, at Sheffield, at Sheffield this year, one of the athletes that, you know, I work with in, in my day job, um, who's American, I was just during the break walking down the aisle and I heard my name and I turned around and it was one of my American clients. And I was like, hello, like, I'm fun to see you this side of the pond, like just bumping into somebody from, you know, like America or, or wherever, someone maybe, you know, from only a FaceTime call or online, just per chance because you're both there to see some powerlifting is really cool. I wanted to ask you guys, so the impact, like I'm not from Europe. Um, a lot of people who watch powerlifting might, might not fully grasp who aren't in Europe, but the fact that we are on Eurosport, and this is like for North American people, ESPN for Europe. And Europe has millions more people in North America, by the way. You know, there there is a lot more people that live in Europe, individual countries, Versus an individual country like America, sure. But collectively, Europe is more population, a bigger spread. And we're now on Eurosport, millions of people, as well as Sheffield, as well as the Olympic Channel. Pete Spence had shared the Olympic the Olympics YouTube show the past world championships, 400,000 views on one of 400,000 views on one of those sessions. Sheffield. I don't know where it's at now. Let's say roughly around 400,000 views. Eurosport, millions of views. What's happening now globally because of YouTube and then Eurosport, millions. What is the impact that you guys feel that you guys have noticed? Obviously, the European Championships now being on there. Beautiful to expand within Europe. What are you feeling now with it? And what do you think it's going to do for the future um, for both Europe as well as globally? like it's just making powerlifting like is a sport yeah you know i mean like it's out there now whereas people always would get confused with powerlifting and weightlifting like oh you're in the olympics <laughs> that kind of thing and we will probably eventually but i think even just for like brands like there's bigger brands now getting interested in powerlifting because it's getting so many views um like for example like you've seen like gymshark you've seen like other huge brands get involved with it and starting sponsoring athletes and trying to even make kit for powerlifting because they want they want everyone wants a bit of it now um like i've even had i've got like sponsors like vivo barefoot who would have never even thought about getting into powerlifting but now so many people wear their shoes for powerlifting and it just naturally happened um so i think it's a huge thing for the athletes as well to now actually you know you can actually make some money out of powerlifting now and it's it's much more of like a bigger deal because there's so many people who are aware of it and are watching it now Millie, what are your thoughts on not only how it's impacting now, but potentially in the future, five years from now, World Games is rolling around, World Games on Eurosport, World Games on Olympic Channel, and World Games going classic raw, and the impact, we're, what might we be in five years with brands seeing, wow, there's there's a market here for this. Yeah, and it, it, it right now it feels like the world is dipping its toe into powerlifting you know it's it's feeling it out and it's seeing if it likes it and you know it seems so far so good like Sophia said with some of those bigger sponsors coming through and taking interest and you know realizing there is a lot of interest and enjoyment within 
powerlifting. Um, I think a lot of people coming through, like you said, who have slightly bigger followings, who are promoting the sport, allowing it to grow. Um, you know, we've got a junior, Nathaniel Messiah, um, who is a Gymshark athlete who just won um, Euros, junior Euros. And he has a huge following as well. And mm. he's bringing kind of a new group amongst other people, bringing a new group of people to powerlifting. And I think as little pockets like that happen and grow, it allows the growth to be organic and I think unforced, which means hopefully it's something that should stick around. It should stay. Um, but even in the last two years, it seems like the interest has doubled, you know, and I think there'll always be people who maybe want to gatekeep the sport a little bit because they're like, it's ours, you know, we, we like being this small sport, but it's only good to see it grow and, it seems to be, you know, on a really strong path right now. And things like Sheffield and the Olympic Channel Eurosport are really allowing people who would never have access to it before, not only to see it, but to go, wow, this is this is pretty cool. You know, this is exciting. There's battles and look how strong these people are and it's showmanship. And, you know, so you've got the Sheffield side of things like we spoke about before, which is like, man it's like a theatrical show but then you click onto Eurosport the Olympic channel and you see the country singlets and like you said it's like hey I'm from that country like I'm gonna just watch along and see how they get on and you know I I think like loads of people just naturally do that my mum not into sports at all clicks on sees you know the European athletics and she starts cheering on the British person starts shouting like she knows about the sport and I'm like yeah go on mum good for you you know, cheering it on. And I think that that kind of thing is becoming more accessible where people who may not know about powerlifting can see and support. And some of those people might go, I'm going to look into it more. Maybe I'll start training, you know, and some new faces might not pop up as a result. Mm. Sorry, go ahead. And de- Sophia, sorry, and definitely with like going back to like the world games as well. Like this is huge for classic powerlifting. Like I don't think a lot of people know how big this is for us. Like, the world games is literally like the closest thing to the olympics that we have and for now classic powerlifting to be a part of that is just a massive thing because if, if anyone out there's like watched the equipped lifting at the world games like it's massive they do a whole huge ceremony like you would with the olympics like you'll have your team kits it's it's insane and like so now that we have a chance to be a part of that as well like it only opens us up for more opportunities and potentially you know who knows like it might go even further but for now like being at the world games I think that's just gonna open up a whole nother kettle fish you know what I mean um so that's gonna be really exciting to see how that goes when the I before the IPF went classic raw and it was only equipped I remember those days I was around and remember people saying when they go classic raw they didn't foresee the boom that was about to happen and the boom was so big. Now it's an era. There's before and after. That's how impactful it was. That's how we notify the, well, the classic raw era began. You know, and we, we put the 2012 in there and it becomes that. When people talk about world games, I think you're 100% on the money. The boom that can happen because it's a multi-sport event with the viewership is huge. All these athletes from all over the world, massive opening ceremonies. And it's a very big event happens 
once every four years. The IOC recognize everybody's watching. And what we're going to do with the World Games when it becomes Classic Raw, I think if it's the same boom that we did with the World Championships and we do it with the World Games, massive things can happen. People are underestimating what can happen. I've seen this underestimation previously. We, we went classic raw for the world championships. And the fallout afterwards, the exponential growth powerlifting had can't be, I mean, just double back if you weren't around for it. Take a look at the numbers. What's going to happen to world games? And everybody's watching. If they weren't watching before, they will be watching. And when you look at some of the sports that are going into the Olympics, and you look at their following, how many nations do them. Um, take a look at their world championships when it's not an Olympic year and look at the quality and compare it to powerlifting. We murdered them. In terms of the following of our stars, in terms of the quality of broadcasts, in terms of the amount of podcast interests, it's not even close. We murdered these other sports. Dante Leon, that jiu-jitsu world champion, here's what we have that other sports don't. He power lifts for his other sport. How many other athletes, how many other people squat or bench press or deadlift in their day-to-day? They flip on our sport, immediately they get it. And they probably do it. And we, how many people do water polo to train for jiu-jitsu or do water polo to train for hockey or do water polo to train for football, American football? And water polo's in there. Do you understand? It's not transferable. It's not, nobody's watching these sports or listening to water polo podcasts in, in between those four years or following a water polo star with all due respect. Doesn't happen. I'm sorry, Amelia. You look like you might've been offended. No. <laughs> you're like, oh, water polo fan, you son of a bitch. Listen. <laughs> but, but, the, <laughs> but the point is, in terms of transferable, people all over the world get squatting, benching, deadlifting. And previously we thought you have to be a powerlifter to watch. I don't think so. I think you just need to be, go to the gym and squat and lift. And so many athletes go to the gym and lift. And yes, if if you're wondering, do they give a fuck? I just walked into Franklin, Tennessee, jujitsu gym and a two-time world champion is like, holy shit, you're six pack lap at. The only reason why he knows me is because I'm on these broadcasts. People are watching from other sports. Oh yeah. yeah, even athletics. Like I've been to um some I used to be part of multiple like athletics clubs and there are some like Olympic athletes, like sprinters out there who are watching powerlifting because they they also do a lot of the like similar style training for their sprinting and they know what powerlifting is, they know what it's about, like they are following onto it. Like I think we'd be surprised by how many people are actually watching and are consistently following as well. Um, yeah, I think, like you said, it's it, it's rare to see another sport so integrated in a general population, like, you know, their life and their every day. Um, I wasn't offended by the water polo uh, stuff. I was just concerned about your disdain for water polo. Uh, you seem very passionate about it. I've only played it once or twice, but I'm That's sure right. they're very nice people. Guy from water polo really pissed me off a couple days ago, and I just can't let it go. He held you under. He was like, "Give me the ball." That's right. That's right. I didn't make the water polo team in high school, and I just haven't put that demon to rest yet. Let it go. Um, Breathe. But um, all right, I want to take a quick washroom break and then come back. If you ladies want to take a two second break here. 
All right, ladies, European Championship coming around. We we talked about the significance, the platform it's on. Uh, the competition level is super duper high. Let's dive into this a little bit. I'm going to ask you, ladies, what are some matchups you're excited to see? Uh, we'll start with that one first. Who wants to go first on this one? Yeah, I'll Sophia. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, so we'll start with the women's side. I mean, there's exciting battles on both sides, but for the women, I think it's quite interesting because we have some battles between the Brits as well, which is going to be really exciting. Uh, we saw a little bit of it at Worlds as well. So we've got the 69s. The, we've got Marta, uh, Marta Jenner uh, from Norway, Clara from France, and then we've got the two Brits. Um, well, Scots, Tasmin and Annie. Um, and it's been actually, I've been following all of their training and Marta is looking hella strong, like her bench has really like gone up. Um, but Annie and Taz, like they have packed some like insane amount of kilos on their totals uh, just since Worlds. So I think that's going to be really like one to watch, like especially Annie, like her squat has just been flying, her bench been going, deadlifts, like everything. So like, all three lifts from both of them have just been going insane at the moment. Like it's even a consideration that like they're close to, you know, getting closer to that world record total, even um, with just Ooh. the numbers that they've been putting up in training. Um, like it's actually like consideration now, which is kind of crazy. Um, and I'm obviously very close with Annie and I've been like speaking to her about it and she's just, yeah, in a really good place of it all. Um, so that's one of them with the 69s. Um, well, hang on one sec. The world record total 549. You yeah. think Annie might be getting close to that? Yeah, like, I mean, such a huge jump. I know, I know. It's it's insane. I mean, like, obviously, we're just going off of training, it's not the same as doing it in competition. Um, and I know that she also has to water cut as well into the 69s. So, but I mean, from both of them, like. So Annie recently hit a 200 squat, 200 kilo squat. And when you bear in mind, like what the world record is like 210, is it? Or 213, something like that from Leah. I've got the world records here. One sec. It's 211.5. Okay, 211.5. So she did a 200 squat with more in the tank. So, you know, it's it's getting close. It's not obviously there, but it's getting close. She did like a, a 117 bench in training. And then she did like an RP, like, seven 220 deadlift um wow. so you know it's it's get like adding those numbers up it's it's not far off obviously it's not right there yet but it's it's getting closer and i think give it like next worlds like it'll be interesting to see how much more they put on if they continue this trend same with tasmin like her deadlifts are flying she's easily putting 220 she she's benching like 122 at the moment and her her squat is around like 185, I believe. So you know they they're catching up there um, from from the Brits for sure. Yeah, and I I think you know it's worth saying about Annie as well. Like you said, those two like at nationals they were going like back and forth kilo by kilo like to to beat each other. But uh, Annie obviously in Malta had you know a bit of a scare with her squat and then jumped like 15 kilos or whatever it was. So like it, her on a good day could could be really really impressive same with Tasmin but you mentioned the total record um Ryan and Marta Jenna is nominated with a total of 538.5 and you know you've got to think about the potential gains she's made in the last few months so 
Yeah, I think Sophia's right. I think the 69's going to be exciting. As well, obviously, Clara, who's still a junior and is just continuously putting more and more and more on her total. I think she's, you know, always been one to watch and she's proving that each competition she comes to. Yeah. Listen. Just it's going to be exciting. I mean, like, I, I mean, you know, Leah's going to bring it to to Sheffield and we'll probably see the world record like extended there with the total. But right now for Europeans, like I think they're going to get close to it, you know. Well, this is what I was going to say is. So Clara Perrault, who's a junior, is just murdering the weights lately And the battle between Clara and Mark Jenner is going to be. Th- that's a world-class battle in and of itself, the two top nominations in the 69-kilo class. I don't know who's going to win that. I'm not necessarily asking you guys to pick a winner. We do have a preview show we're going to do for more details. However, there needs to be a conversation had. We are getting very close to that world record, and we have a battle of 69s at Sheffield. Whatever the world record ends up, the Sheffield lifters can obviously exceed. However, it's going to be one of those... Hey, slow down, ladies, because this percentage that we break the record that we're going to be judged at Sheffield. Do you think, and this is a yes or no, I'm going to throw to both of you. Does the 69 kilo world record get broken at the European Championship? Sophia? I want to say yes, because I want to back my girl. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I want to I want to see it happen. Um, I think like realistically we'll get close to it i'm not 100 sure like where obviously marta is right now i've seen a few of her squats and her bench um and i've heard from her that deadlifts are going well so you know who knows i think and if she can pull it all together on the day as well i think you know i think all four of them are probably going to be battling to to chip something um if not it bro- be broken it will definitely get very close um, to that world record. Um, but I, I definitely think it's a possibility that it could be broken at Euros. What did you say it was, Ryan, currently? 549, um, and Mark Jenner is... 538.5 going in. Right. So we're close. And Clara Perro, 530. Young and murdering. The, the, the progress she's made with the strength guys has been insane. Yeah. I think... I think... You know, I, I'll throw it out there. I'll say someone will break it. I'll, I'll yeah. say, you know what else I'll say that Leah, Carola, Agatha are going to be watching that. Like, guys, please don't. Yeah. Please don't make that any harder for me than it than needs to be in a couple months' time. But I think, you know, like, Marta is really not far off. She's an incredible athlete. Clara, you know, it's very, very, very rare to see Clara miss like she puts her heart and soul into everything she does on the platform so I think they're going to really push each other there at the top and um as Sophia said you know Tasman and Annie I think their totals nominated going in don't necessarily give them justice to maybe what they'll do on the day if they have a good day so I think I think it will be broken by who I don't know but Marte obviously going in has the best shot of doing so being you know, 10 and a half kilos below that. Yeah. And I don't think, I think with that nominated total, I don't think she got all her lifts either. I was Um, about to say, she has done 542.5 previously. The thing with Mark Jenner, it's, I don't know what the hell's going on. She's hit 542.5 and gave us like that little sprinkle of, oh my God, what might she do? She could, we've been waiting for her. Usually lifters progress upon previous totals. And you could easily seven and a half kilos away from five fifties. 
I mean, she could enter into that realm of, yes, we have Leah Bava. Yes, we have Corolla Gara. And you and I'm in there with you. She, mm-hmm. you know, we we were anticipating this. And instead of holding form slightly regressed. Now, if her training's gone well, might she reappear and be like, look at I'm I'm far closer to the world record than everyone thinks. And she definitely is capable. It's just I'm not sure that if it's a series of unfortunate events. You know, in powerlifting, you compete two, three times a year. So you have two bad days and, oh, my God, your year's gone. You know, it's not like uh, other team, other other sports, you you compete six times or, you know, 18 times. A, but we'll see. Yeah, like when I've spoken to Marta after comps, because I love Marta, she's such a, a lovely person. Like um, she she has had like a few off days with com- competitions and obviously like it doesn't give her justice of what her like what she's actually capable of and she's a grinder like she can like just brute strength like if you watch her bench it's not like she's got like an insane arch or anything she's got just got some like hella upper body strength like she can proper grind it out and I think if she has a good day if she gets nine for nine you know I think she could possibly break that that total world record um but I think now but they're also obviously competing against each other so they can't just go in and just you know you know have the best day but um they're actually competing for podium spots as well so it'd be interesting to see if anyone you know if it comes down to going for a podium breaking you know breaking world record who knows another weight class you know just to address the elephant in the room obviously we have one of the top contenders for the for another weight class uh at euros right here on the podcast and I don't, you know, it, according to nominations, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. It's not necessarily uncontested right now with Stefanikova right behind you by five kilos on nominations. You know, how are you feeling heading into Euros? Um, because, I mean, from an outside point, it's going to be very, very exciting to watch and see how that unfolds. It's, you know, a bit of a gap, not a crazy gap, but a bit of a gap between the top two and then, you know, third, fourth, fifth will be even sixth be fighting for podium um you know what are your thoughts on kind of going into euros and lucy stefanikova um kind of there yeah like i've i didn't actually know of lucy before um the nominations um but like i think she's actually just recently had a a child as well which is amazing like i love to see like people have like um have a kid and then come back into powerlifting and I've just recently followed her actually and she looks like she's like smashing training which is which is great um so yeah it'll be I think it's good to have like a battle going into to Europeans for sure um I don't know what the the current totals are because I know that there's like a couple people in my weight class who have put up nominated totals which are from like years ago so it will be I don't think like it's not all what you see on paper do you know what I mean um so it'll be interesting to see what when people turn up what actually where their strength is actually at um coming into it like um for me training and prep has been hasn't been the easiest it's been probably one of my toughest preps just kind of like managing multiple injuries but um I'm feeling good about it like I've I've kept my strength up and you know I it always will come together on the day um so yeah going into it I'm actually really excited just because of the whole like team morale as well at the moment is really high and um having come back from squad sessions it's just it's exciting just to be a part of the team again um but yeah, there's just like a lot of battles going on, which is kind of gets you hyped up for it as well. Um, but I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I think it will be a good kind of showdown. 
Before we talk about the men's, one more storyline I want to ask you, you ladies. And if you have any other storylines, by all means, throw it out there, actually. But Sonita, representing Belgium, just recently squatted 290 kilos, which would be a world record. And currently, let me pull this up to get the uh, nominated with 688.5. Alexis Jones is coming over from the USAPL. She did 701. Where will we end up over or under? For Sonita, first off, let me just say, I think the 69 kilo world record, I think the ladies will stay under. I'm going to go under because they're going to try to beat each other and win. And um, I think they're going to solidify the win as opposed to go over. And I, so that means that I have to picture both of them going over. I don't think they're going to, I think they're going to play a little more conservative. We'll see what happens in the over under. Let's do another over under here. Over under Sonita, 700 kilo total. Um, I think she's going to go under. It's not in her interest to break it, you know, because going into Sheffield, that's only going to help her. I mean, it, it really depends because I know that some athletes last year going to Euros were like, I don't care. I want to do the best I can on the day and still perform, still like do my best and break what I can break. Some people were a bit more conservative with Sheffield in mind. Obviously, if you take Sheffield into account, and I believe Sunita is the only female athlete going to Euros that is also doing Sheffield. Um, I think the other girls doing Sheffield have opted to not do Euros. There's a lot more on the men's side who are competing at Euros and doing Sheffield as well, which is interesting. Um, but it's really going to depend on how she wants to play it in, ter- in, like, in relation to Sheffield because... If you think about that, it's not in her interest at all to break it, to make it a harder job at Sheffield. So if Team Belgium are playing with that in mind, I think they'll go under because she's almost 100 kilos ahead of the rest. Like she doesn't need to be 150 kilos ahead of the rest. You know? Yeah. What do you when, think, when, Sophia? What's her, is it just for the title? What's, what's her motivation here? So obviously I spoke to, I um, was on a shoot with, uh, Sunita recently because um, I was like wondering the same I was like why are you doing Europeans when you've literally got Sheffield like coming up like you see all the big names are not doing Euros because they, they've got Sheffield apart from Panna because Panna just loves competing um, <laughs> but um, so yeah so she said basically part of like her thing with the Belgium Federation is that I think she has to compete at Europeans so I think that she'll go into Europeans literally just to win. So I think she will just be conservative, probably hit like, you know, like second attempts kind of deal. Um, she might not. She might actually just go full send and let's let's do it. But it, I wouldn't see much point in doing that when she's got the opportunity to do that on at Sheffield on a bigger stage and actually like earn from it as well. Um, so I think it's purely part that she kind of has to do this competition as part of maybe like a contract or something. Um and then she'll just, you know, go full send at Sheffield. That makes sense. So it's, it, it's it, yeah, totally makes sense. And for some people listening, some of these nations that these lifters come from to make a national team, and the government sponsors the national teams, and the government in terms of sponsorships and payouts, they they have an expectation of showing up at European Championships, etc. I'm not sure particularly if that's the case, but it might be with some of these nations. Speaking of on the men's side some of these world champions and people going to Sheffield that will show up. Someone like Penna can show up, has a nice spread so he could collect the world or, or a European title, sorry, and add that Penna's story in 2022 lost all of its titles 
And he said, in 2023, I, I regained them all. I take the national title. I take the world title. I take the European title. This is the last one. Great. He could probably show up, not go full send, take the European title. Knowing Penny, he probably will go full send. He goes full send on a weekly basis almost. But so that that's interesting. However, there are other people like Anatoly Novopismani, who won best lifter at the world championships, who has an invite to Sheffield, obviously. And he's going to show up at Europeans. And if Anatoly is going to show up at Europeans and think he's going to go half-paced and win, he's got Emil Norling, whom, if you recall, actually upset Anatoly at the European Championships previously when Anatoly had an off day. Anatoly cannot go half-speed. He cannot have an off day. And I don't know the situation with Ukraine in in terms of um, you know sponsorship, etc., why he's doing the Europeans. But if he's going to show up and go anything but 100%, Emil may upset him. Looking yeah. at the 93s, what are you guys thinking here? This is interesting. I it's interesting. I think I think Ukraine are now actually sponsored by the strength shop, um, based on Anatoly's um Instagram. And it, it's it's really interesting. Like Anatoly just in himself is such an like such an impressive lifter to watch. Um, I think, you know, similar to Pana, he just wanted to show up again and and keep face you know show that he can show up compete and win um but yeah Emil obviously has a huge huge deadlift on him he's actually nominated with a 380 deadlift for euros which is pretty wild I'm not sure where he did that but you know it's uh like you said one one small slip up Emil is definitely able to jump in there and uh and slip slip in but Obviously, Anatoly still has Sheffield to kind of watch out and be mindful of, uh, as well, you know, Panna and Sunita in this. Yeah, it'll be interesting how much the 105s push it, for sure. Like, mm. I, th- I think that is a class to watch. It'll be like as good as Worlds kind of thing. Um, and then with Panna, when I've spoken to him previously, he is going there to compete. Like, he's not just going half-assed. Like, he is going there to, you know, send, like... <laughs> As you can expect from Panna, nothing less. Um, so again, like Panna, I think the six six is gonna be interesting. Even the 74s, like you know, our guy Dylan, I he's been wanting that world record squat for so long and he his training's been looking solid. So um there's gonna be a lot of things going on at Euros, uh, for sure. Yeah, Backlin returns on the 74s, Backlin. He was a former world champion, um, defeated Taylor Atwood at the world championships, 2017, moved into equipment and Oleg who had 17 or so world titles and equipment in a row, he moved into equipped and beat him. Uh, Chell is literally the goat slayer and he returns to the European championships. Obviously we have, uh, so we talked about the one Oh five Jonah, um, from Germany in the 120s. Everybody's very excited about him. Been in the game only one year and tons of potential behind that young man. Very excited to see what he ends up doing. Amelia, you look like you want to add something there? Yeah, I think, I mean, on nominations, he's slightly uh, above Indy there, um, the, the British lifter who currently holds the world record deadlift in the 120s. And obviously, you can see where Jonah makes up the space um, as he's two and a half kilos below the current open world record, um, which has been held for quite some time. They've got very similar squats. Obviously, Jonah really leaps ahead in the bench. But, you know, if anyone's been following 
Indy's training, you know, his deadlifts have been like he's made 386, which only did a Malta look like a second attempt, like a first attempt. Like it, it's going to be really exciting because, you know, Jonah can build a lot of ground in the bench and then he just needs to kind of keep it together during the deadlifts, get those extra kilos. But then it's really in Indy's hands to kind of fight for that as he has such a big pull on him. So I think the 120 is going to be really, really exciting. Obviously, CC's there as well, uh, there and the nominations on in bronze. So probably the biggest, most heated battle in terms of the men's side is the 83s. UK zone, Jaren's is in the mix, but and Ahoro, who's a bit of a miracle man, he's got that flipping deadlift that on any given day, God knows what he could pull. I mean, we all remember 2022 World Championships when he loaded up 385 kilos, 847 pounds, and got it to lock out, and it slipped out of his hands. For an 83-kilo man to do that, I had Bob Matthews on the podcast. He said, that's probably the single greatest feat of strength I've seen in powerlifting, even though it's a mislift. For an 83-kilo man to lock out 385 kilos, 847 pounds, and it slips out of his hand, he just couldn't hold on to it. He's like, that's the single greatest powerlifting feat of strength I've seen. Um, so, and then we have Edo from Italy. It's a good cast because Edo, former junior world champion, um, he's totaled over 800 kilos as well. All these gentlemen totaled over 800 kilos. All these gentlemen capable of winning, but returning European champion, Germans looking to defend his title, but it's a murderer's row. Obviously, you guys are both from the UK, so this is kind of a biased <laughs> a biased panel it's just the preview show so it's fine we could be a little but this is more of a fun loosey-goosey one huh what do you guys think for the 83s here is this the uh, battle to behold in terms of the men's side this will definitely be exciting because we know durin's is is good for more than 790 is what he's like been put down on nominations like he did i believe 820 820.5 at the british and then right. Even at Worlds, he didn't have like the best day. Um, and then literally a week after at Silent Worker, he hit like around near 820 again, which like just proves that he is capable of way more. I know his training's been going really well. So I think this could be a pretty good battle between them. But obviously, Enna does have that final pull, which is always going to be an advantage. Um, haven't seen loads of Enna's training, but I know that he's, uh, he's been working on his squat. So you know, it's going to be interesting. Um, but yeah, Durin's is definitely one to watch out for. What are you thinking, Amelia? By the way, all of those totals for the nominations are a lie. Edo's totaled over 800. Um, to your point, like Jurin's is done 820.5 and Enna has done more than 805.5. I think he was 850. What was he at Worlds? Anyways, they've all done more. But yeah. what's your impression, Amelia? Man, it's it's one of these really exciting ones because they they've all they're all very talented athletes, all top three, and they've all had competitions in the past where you know they've not had the greatest days, they've lost you know a fair amount of kilos, and so sometimes it's just who has the best day, like who can put the most lifts up on the board, and we know that when Durans has a good day, he can put something amazing up, but. Obviously, the same goes for Anna. He's been hiding his lifting, uh, you know, his lifts recently. He's been angling his uh, camera very carefully so that you can't see what the plates are 
on the bar. So he's clearly playing some mind games heading into Euros there to kind of say, hey, you know, you thought I was just a deadlifter, but I'm catching up and who knows, maybe I'm becoming more more well-rounded there. And I, I honestly, his, I think people speak about his deadlift a lot, which is because it's so impressive, but his squat really isn't, I was going to say far behind, but it's not behind. He's nominated with a 280 squat, which isn't anything to shake a stick at, you know, like it's, it's still a, a huge squat. And like you said, a lot of these nominations are a lie. So it's assumed that he can do more than that as well. So I think it's going to come down to who can get as many lifts in as possible because based on nominations, it's so hard to tell because they're not real. You know, it's, it's a fantasy. Yeah. And I got it's some- crazy. They've all hit more for sure. Like, so who knows? I got some op- I got some over-unders for you guys. Uh, let me throw you two, and then I'm going to ask you who are a women's lifter and a man's lifter that we should look out for, that you think we're all going to be talking about after the Euros is concluded. Maybe a breakout star, call it where you were, performance or whatever. But first, a couple over-unders. Over-under. Um, do In the 83s, do those top three go, all three of them, podium, go over 800? Or do they go, or does, you know, not all three of them go over 800 kilo total? Sophia, what do you think? I think all three will go over. I think really? they'll push each other. Well, I, I, at least two will go over 800. Um, at least the two top two will go over 800. I think the third will either be very close to or just over. Um, but I definitely can see that being like gone over quite a bit, to be honest. They, they all the have day. previously hit over, but or they all have previously at least hit 800. Different thing when you're all together yeah. in world standards, whatever. But and this isn't the preview show. We're going to dive in more. But Amelia, what are you thinking for those three, all three of them? You know, you know how it's so rare to see like a very green board when you're watching powerlifting, you know, like you think you're going to see it and then like five people miss in a row. I think it's going to be like, ah, yeah, like they all have the potential there and they could definitely all go over 800. And I just have this gut feeling like that, like Sophia said, I think two of them definitely will. And I think someone's going to get caught just shy, whether it's because they miss the lift or they get called for something I just have this feeling that it will be like two to one, not two to one and no left. I mean, like two of them will, one of them, one of them won't. So I'm actually where I was opposite to you guys in terms of the 69 kilo for the world record. I'm actually going to be opposite to you guys on this one. I think all three of them go uh, over 800. I'm going to take the over only because, um, and a horror endurance have proven it. Although Jurens at world's, but then a week later redeems himself a silent work or two weeks later. So there's, <laughs> it could, it could happen. Right. He had a hiccup at worlds. Um, but then Edo, Edo was young and he's already hit 800. And I feel like he's due to go over 800 again. Like you gotta be trending upwards at his age and he's already done 800 put in his rear view. But again, on any, it, the proof is in the pudding. And, and when you show up at these international events, it's, it's different. The standard of, you know, you happen to hit your lifts and now he's against like elite level competition. And these guys are like 820 and up at times on any given day. So when you're chasing, to your point, Amelia, when you're chasing, you load more than you would if you're just like, whatever, let's have fun. So then you might miss. I don't know. But I'm going to go over. I think 
you know, like you said, if they're at their nationals and they're like 60 kilos ahead of people, they have the freedom just to play around and, and get those totals. But to your point, you know, you said uh, Edo is is so young, but actually he's the same age as Enna. Like, not that they're not both young, but like it, it's interesting kind of considering considering like both two of the three of uh, the top of the 83s are kind of in that age bracket. Um, but yeah, I mean, ask me again on the, the preview show in a week. Maybe I've right. changed my mind. <laughs> right, no, same here. Uh, when I dive further into it, by the time the preview show rolls around and we're going to have more data points for training and I'm going to dive in deeper as, as much as I can. Some of these guys play their cards closer to chess, but I'll have a more data points to make that decision. One more over-under, if I may. The world record total for the 66 kilo class is 710.5 by held by um Kasim Sand. And Hena is nominated. He won the world championships this year with 705. Yeah. Over under, does he break that world record even if by half a kilo? Because there's a couple pieces here. There's a couple pieces here. A, can he do it? B, will he do it with Sheffield around the corner? You know, Penna, this flipping guy, he's like Tiff, Turbo Tiff. They're both like, hey, fucking, we're going to load it up. And and for his mind, would he be the type of guy to tell himself, I break it by half a kilo? That doesn't matter when I go to Sheffield. Half a kilo isn't going to be that percentage that's going to make or break me in the overall standings, et cetera. If I'm going to break it at Sheffield, I got to go more than half a kilo anyway. It's like, oh, there's a couple pieces moving. What do you guys think, Sophia? And then I'll toss it to Amelia. I think Panna's good for it. I think he'll probably go in thinking, obviously considering Sheffield, but also knowing Panna and, and the French team. I think on the day, he might just fucking load it because why not? <laughs> um. I don't know if, if he's obviously smart about it and thinks about Sheffield, I think he'll just come un, under the record. But also knowing him and having spoken to him previously, I think he might just go for it and just be like, "Yeah, you know, I'll I'll just you know push it again at Sheffield." So, uh, in terms of over under, I'd like to say he'd go under just so that he could you know have that record for himself at at Sheffield. But knowing him, I think he'll try and go over. So. What do you think? It's a tough one, eh? <laughs> you know what? He, I think he's got it. You know, he wouldn't. I don't think he'd be going to Sheffield if if that wasn't a potential. If if it was like ninety percent of other athletes, I'd be like, no, I don't like it under. You know, because but because like you said, Panna is one of those people who wants to, and like we spoke about earlier, wants to show up. And wants to kind of say, I'm not just here to show up and put up a total. I'm here to show you why I'm world champion, why I'm going to be European champion, why I'm going to compete at Sheffield. But it's so hard to, you know, think about what maybe him and his coaching team want to do in regards to that. Because like Sophia said, the, the it feels like the sensible thing to do is to go under but as you kind of made a good point, will half a kilo really, really, you know, break the bank there at Sheffield? So, you know, I, I hate to sit on the fence so hard, but does he have it? Yeah. Will he do it? I think that's going to be a, a fun surprise for everybody, maybe even himself. 
Yeah, especially as you said with the coaching team as well, it's not going to just be for him, it's going to be for the team for Euros. So I think considering that as well, he probably will go under just because there's other elements involved there with it's a a team, more of a team thing rather than Sheffield is more individual. Um, But yeah, Yeah. it's a a tough one. I mean, on on totals, like nominated totals, he's 72 and a half kilos ahead. Like it, it, it's if all goes according to nominations, which it doesn't always, but you know, it, it seems like it might hit. It, it's it's pretty much a runaway should he get a lift in for, for all three. So yeah. he said he wanted to come and prove he can get the world title back, the European title back, and it seems like he could get the European title back pretty easily. Does the record fall within that? Here's here's what I'm thinking. I think he goes to Euros. Think. I think the French team will let him do what he wants to do if he wants to chip it by by 0.5. This is what I think. I don't know. Um, I think he goes for it, but I don't think he gets it at the Europeans. And here's what I'm thinking. Penna is... He, he, and I've had this conversation with Penna. He's not like the Russell or he or whomever that you picture that just shows up and always wins and has this dynasty that's like five wins and for five years and always number one. Penna is that romantic figure. This is why we all love Penna because he's vulnerable because he is that guy who like he'll take L's come back, take wins and rises to occasions. And I think euros is the occasion where, because he's got such a far lead, et cetera. If I, if you write the story of Penna, typically speaking, this isn't where he, he just rises occasions, starts breaking records, et cetera. He might, he's capable to both your points. I mean, six kilos off. Of course, he's capable. You know, who can't rise by six kilos? But if I picture Penna, when I picture Penna, it's like when he went to the World Championships this year and was nominated fourth. Nominated not even on the podium and wins it all. I think for a guy like Penna, he's like the Rocky story. He's not Mike Tyson. He's Rocky. He does it on the big game on Sheffield when okay, I missed it at I missed it at Euros, and then he comes back in a Sheffield that's two thousand people, and it's that much more, and that's when he hits. I think he's the guy who rises to the occasion, and it's got to be like that. It's it's, and um, that's just my belief. This is just a pattern I'm seeing with Penna, and maybe it's just in my own head, the storybook romanticized view I have a Penna like Rocky, but he's six like, kilos away story. i want this storyline i want to run with it <laughs> like like it's the thing is if we're honest he's six kilos away and you could just you can add six kilos onto your total at any point in time so we're just kind of trying to pick when does he throw those six kilos onto his total it could be any time or or it could not or it could not because you're at the tip of the edge you're, you're at the very edge of the edge so from what you ate that day to your sleep could change six kilos that's how fine six kilos is when you're at the top right we all know this so it's interesting looking at the euros um i won't keep you guys super duper longer because we, we we're belting off a lot of good content here and it's been a hot minute but um who do you guys think you guys can each choose one man or a woman that you think we should pay attention to and we're all going to be talking about after the european championships is over you know before because obviously you know we're doing the preview show next week I, I kind of uh looked over the nominations and um I was at junior worlds 
And I was going to come in kind of with that that point about Jonah Vindeek and then obviously saw that you dropped a, an episode or you're about to drop an episode with him. Um, so he would have been my pick. I think he's picked up the eyes of some people now. So maybe, you know, less anonymous going into it. But I mean, he he certainly is very impressive. He actually came silver in Romania, um, very like just, but... I'm still going to say him, you know, he's, I think you put him a bit more on a podium now before Euros with the, with the podcast, which is a great thing, but I'm going to stick with him as my, as my current choice. Yeah. Listen, he's been powerlifting for a year. He said on the podcast, when I drop it, people get his background story before Euros, but one year and he was doing mainly bodybuilding style and his method of training very like he does the power lifts, but tons of accessories still trains very much like a bodybuilder. But the amount of strength he's put on in that year, if you take a look at the open power, lifting, it's incredible. Super young and his goals to be mid 900s. That's around Tony Cliff winning worlds. By the time the world championships rolls around and Bob Matthews comes over, Bob Matthews is going to have some competition in the 120s. You know, it's not just going to be able to eat his food and, and come in on winning on second lifts. From the old guard like Tony, who's who's you know 40 and still around killing it to the young guns, you know, the 120s is uber stacked. Sophia, who who are you thinking we should pay attention to? Well, so I was actually gonna say also about the selections comp that we've got in Britain as well, just right. because it slightly affects things for next year. Because essentially, for those who don't know, um Britain is holding a sections competition whereby because of the change of uh, competition calendar, we can't get a British nationals in at the beginning of the year because there's the Europeans again in March. You also obviously got Sheffield and then you've got Worlds in June. So we need to have a team for next year. And to make it fair, we've hosted a selection so that people can essentially treat it like a nationals. Um, but you have got people who have got dispensations. So for those who are doing Europeans, they'll obviously have to beat the totals from the selections comp. You also also got people doing dispensation who have done like, say, the equipped worlds or the home nations. Um so it's going to be interesting because people from like the British lifters aren't only competing now to try and get the podium spots, but they're also competing to try and beat the totals from the selections competition. Mm. They've got multiple things going on. So one that I was going to mention was the 84 women. So you've obviously got, um, is it Kirsten, Christian from yeah. uh, Iceland? And then you've got um, Temi and Ziana, who both of them are only two and a half kilos apart which again is going to be a bit of a battle um but then you've also got earl of competing at the selections competition so you're going to have both ziana and temi trying to beat earl of's total so and that's going to be interesting because although a lot of people see that as a an advantage having to try and beat that total is actually also a disadvantage because they're also trying to podium so do they go for that last deadlift to get the spot or do they push it even more to try and beat the total from the selections comp so that's going to be an interesting one um so that's just something to bear in mind when watching europeans as well um don't know if you have any comments on that i you know I, I, thank you for adding that by the way i that, <laughs> that was something that i teased about in, in the changing of the calendar um yeah we'll have to see how it unfolds i'm not entirely sure it's going to affect us yeah um 
Sorry, go ahead. It's, it's fine. I, I was going to say about the point that you made about, you know, Temi and Ziana having to kind of not only think about what they're doing against Kristen, but also, um, you know, with Erlov kind of creeping in the shadows at the selection meet, um, which obviously is just before Euros, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, it's interesting because obviously Erlov hasn't actually been competing too long in kind of the conversation you were saying of, upcoming people she's already pretty well known obviously she broke amanda lawrence's deadlift record at junior worlds um so i think she's although starting to get better known already another one who i think is just going to continue to progress um we've got a really strong roster of 84s in in britain so now she's looking to compete in the opens um by you know clearly going towards the selection i think that's going to be really really interesting although she's not competing at euros so kind of off part of the question but i think another person to look out for there like sophia said yeah for sure and they're all looking hella strong so um but sorry to go back to your que- initial question because i diverge um <laughs> um i probably wouldn't i don't really have like specific people that i would say but more so like weight classes like we've spoken about i think people are definitely going to be talking about the 69s after Europeans I think that is like in itself all four of those lifters I think people are going to start talking about a little bit more um and on the men's side definitely Durin's again but also the 105s I think is going to be quite a big talking point after uh Euros so so for me I'm going to say um, I'm going to echo what Amelia said I think uh Jonah is going to be Everyone's going to be talking about him in the 120. I think the 120s in 2024 is going to be a weight class that from um, Etienne from Lebanon, who won Junior Worlds by like a kilo over Jonah. And these guys are young, and I think they're going to push into the mid-900s to Bob Matthews coming over from US to Tony Cliff. And now we're seeing Dennis Cornelius back in his garage lifting the former, you know, the current world record holder and former multiple-time world champion in 120s, might be coming back at 40. We have a spread of the grizzled veterans like Tony and Dennis. And then we have Bob Matthews crossing over, who's like that freak athlete whom everybody's all hyped on. And then we have the young guns coming from the junior worlds. I think the 120s, it's going to be super stacked in 2024. So people should pay attention to Euros and see what Jonah does. But I also think and a horror is due to put on a spectacular performance. I know you guys probably don't want to hear this and I'm not, I'm not picking no, winners we yet, we love <laughs> but, but um, no, you hate him, and, but, but uh, no, but uh, if he can get at world championships, I think he went too heavy on his second and third deadlifts. And I think he's got one major, huge pull in him. And if he does attempt selection appropriately at euros and, kind of evens out the spread. It doesn't try to go 800 plus twice in a row in the same competition as an 83, 800 plus for pounds. So 362.5 and up on his deadlifts. If he picks and chooses his final deadlift selection and isn't going super, super duper heavy on a second and third, I think in a is due for an absolutely spectacular blockbuster performance. And um, I'm very interested in seeing if he could get his third deadlift and he could seal the deal on what he's hinted at at 2022 year uh, world championships. I mean, imagine he locks out 385 
Forget stop, about it. Stop we're all talking about it. We're all talking about it. If he locks out three to five, makes it official, we're all talking about it. Yeah. He's still in the show. He's still in the show. Oh, so um, true. If he gets that third deadlift, that is causing an upset for sure. Stop. It's an upset and it's the talk of the town and it's, oh my God, it, it's up there with the greatest feats of strength we've seen in, in any one particular individual feat of strength. It's up there. It's got to be up there. Oh, yeah. It's insane. 100%. That is going to be think all he's finally do. Yeah. It, yeah he can break the internet. It feels like he's been like missed, like needing that third deadlift so many times and missed it. And like, it definitely, if he hits it, that is going to be insane. And it's going to be what everyone's going to talk about. Because that is just, that's a huge deadlift for any weight class, let alone the 83s. That is insane. Hey, Jesus ain't mad at that. Jesus yeah. can walk away with 385 minutes. Well, not the greatest day, but I'll take it. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. it's just crazy and like yeah as you said with Jonah as well I haven't I hadn't really heard of him before and then you mentioned about Junior Worlds and like just even in on the nominations what like 20 kilos above everyone else like the second place is just for a junior that is insane uh it's gonna be exciting for sure and it's not like you're lacking you haven't heard him before he wasn't even around a year ago yeah you know, just, the, the, the gains have been crazy <laughs> I think as, as well like Indy, you know, shouldn't definitely shouldn't be miscount uh, discounted there uh, when it comes to it because Jonah's, like I said, Jonah's got big bench and he's got big deadlift. I think Dennis obviously smelt someone was very close to his bench record and was like, yeah, I'm, I think I'm gonna just come back and make it a little larger, perhaps. But yeah, I think the 120s are going to be really, really epic next year. I mean, they already are amazing. Like even in Justin Britain, like the fight to get on the team last year I think four people qualified to get onto the team in the what just in the 120s and they had to pick them from obviously the uh the 120s that all got the A the A total so that's just Britain and by the looks of it the rest of the world are kind of doing the same thing there yeah it's so true I think we had like we had Tony, Indy, Kieran and Bo so Bo and Indy are from Britain for the uh, 120s. I haven't actually seen much of Bo's training, um, but hopefully he he brings it to the platform as well. But yeah, as you said, can't count out Indy as well. Like his everything just looks so smooth in his videos. It's it's kind of frustrating how easy everything's moving. <laughs> um, so yeah, it just takes Jonah to slip up a little bit, and Indy's in there. So who knows what will happen? It'll be good. Yeah. So guys, thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, we we crushed a lot of time, man. We started two and a half hours ago. I had a short break in there, but we hit all the major talking points. We could do this more too. I mean, we have maybe we'll have to get together again. This this has been a this has been a good chat. Um, Sophia, good luck on everything. Uh, good luck at the European Championships. Um, I'll see you soon, Amelia. I don't know when I'm gonna see you. Are you guys both gonna be at Sheffield? I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, I'll be helping at Sheffield. So. Okay, that's right. You're working it. Um, but yeah, we're all gonna see each other again. So so all everybody stay healthy. Thank you for coming on. We're gonna talk before then, though. I'm absolutely sure of it. And everybody listening, in oh, oh by the way, give your shout-outs where people can find you for your services, uh, coaching, etc. Amelia, you're murdering it on social media. I see people sharing your posts now, um, doing a very good job on there. So hats off to you, as well as murdering it and you know, commentary the whole nine. But where can people find you for your services? So on Instagram, probably be the easiest place at Pots Thinks. Um, and yeah, 
drop me a message, DM question if you, if, you know, if you want to talk about services, but if you just like my page, then obviously have a look. And you do for everyone, um, the services you're offering, just so everyone knows. Yeah. So that probably helps a lot. Um, <laughs> so I do like sports psychology coaching. So like the mentality and, you know, performance side of things, obviously Leah just uh, dropped a book on that. So, you know, that side of things that helps everybody on the platform, but also in the day-to-day life and their training. So, yeah. And Sophia? Uh, yes, yeah, so you can find me at Sophia Strength on Instagram. Um, and then I also offer coaching as well. So you can find me, either drop me a message or um, www.sophiaellis.co.uk. You can also find me as well. Um, so yeah, that, that's me. Even if you just want to follow my training or, you know, all the shit I get up to. <laughs> Perfect. Listen, ladies, thank you for coming on and for everybody listening as per usual, please do subscribe, give us high ratings, throw mentions. And um, if I see it, I'm, uh, I'll hit you back in the mentions. And until next time, six pack lap it at six up and we are out.